This week on Backyard Footy. There's still the limited side of things when it comes to the women's national team because a lot of people say, oh yeah, women's national team, I believe red, white, and blue. It's so great, American Outlaws, yay. And then when it comes to, well, can you name someone other than Alex Morgan? Exactly. Right. Do you know someone other than because you like how they look? Do you right. know? Maybe. Like, well, do, but you got to start somewhere. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, but that's really, like women who I mean, say that. Really, I mean, that's okay, just like golf. I mean, how many people knew of any kind of professional golfer right. who wasn't Arnold Palmer right. or Jack Nicholas before the 90s rolled around and Tiger Woods? And it's like, oh, well, because that person, Tiger Woods, he crossed all kinds of boundaries. It was no longer just a golf thing with him. Right. It was a cultural thing. It was an athletic thing right. because, you know, like you still have the argument of, well, is golf actually a sport? You know, so, you know, you, you have to start somewhere. What's up, footy fans? It's your host, Hugh Roberts, a.k.a. Superhuman. Like I said last episode, follow me on all social media platforms, Twitter, IG, Facebook, at Superhuman. We're here back live for episode 30 of Backyard Footy, where each episode I dive into the backgrounds, journeys, and experiences of former athletes, professional athletes, and anyone that's been involved with the game. I have some very, very exciting local guests here with me. One of the biggest, or two of the biggest media outlets here in Charlotte. A year ago, they had me on their show, and now here they are on my show, my first media outlets ever. So without further ado, I'm glad to introduce you guys to the QC Chronicle and the Charlotte Post, Ashley Mahoney and Herbert White. What's up, you guys? Thanks for coming. Thanks for having us. Thank you. QC Chronicle is the first and the best soccer-specific outlet here in Charlotte, and the Charlotte Post is an award-winning African-American publication, which is considered the voice of the black community. So very, very excited to have you guys on my show. A lot of topics to talk about. So first off, though, how did you guys even get started representing the African-American community and the soccer community here I in this show city? That you mean simultaneously or? One is definitely <laughs> a lot older than the other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, the, uh, the post is uh, historic. Uh, and you talk about legacy media. Uh, the post has been around since 1906. Wow. Uh, during the time of, it, obviously, it was a different America. Uh, where African Americans were not that far from removed from emancipation and all the things that went with that, it was a very difficult time during uh, during that period. Um, and the post was it was brought along to help inform African Americans in Charlotte about opportunities as well as the news of the day, uh, whether it was on a social front. Uh, politically, we were limited, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, because it was the Jim Crow South. Mm -hmm. uh, but in terms of just being able to survive and understanding community and where we fit in as black Americans, that's where the Post got its wings. And it's uh, been around since 1906. It's wow. evolved with the times. Wow. They're at the forefront of the uh, civil rights movement. Uh, and into the 21st century, there's been plenty of changes. Uh, we've evolved along with 
the times right. in terms of what we cover and how we cover it and expanding our reach to different audiences. And that's where uh, Queen City Football Chronicle comes in, where gotcha. we uh, reached out to what had previously been a, well, to be mildly nice about it, <laughs> a, a totally foreign audience right, uh, right, right. for the post right. in terms of uh, covering soccer. Uh, we covered other sports, obviously, over the right. years, primarily football, basketball, baseball, right. and we would throw in the occasional Olympic sport. But uh, Ashley talked me into expanding that into something a bit more full-time, more robust in terms of how we cover soccer. And uh, four years ago, it got off the ground, and uh, we've been running at varying speeds ever since. <laughs> now, you have to take it back to how did all of that start Right. with QCFC before it became QCFC. So I know that we'll be sure to harass this uh, fellow former independent center back, <laughs> but my first assignment with the post was actually a feature on Bilal Duckett when he played for the Charlotte uh, Eagles. Yeah. And I harass him all the time. I'm like, you have to understand, the dawn of QCFC started with you. Right. That story doesn't happen. The boss doesn't give that assignment. Mm, wow. UCFC probably doesn't exist today. Wow, the pioneer. So that's, uh, that all goes back to him. And then the Eagles made the playoffs that season. And I was just an intern apprentice at the time and said, hey, you know, what if after this 49ers football game, I go over to Queens and cover the Eagles too? Maybe, maybe right. that'll work. Right. And uh, thankfully the boss is like, sure. Go do it. Let's see what you come up with. Right. Now, mad respect for both of you guys. I mean, one, to just cover the African-American community here in the city. I don't, I've been in four different cities, and I don't really think there's, like, a specific coverage for that. And so to bring notoriety to that is big plus in my mind. And, you know, in another sense, soccer is almost a minority in this country as well. And so for you to just pick up and cover soccer as well, I mean, again, it's the first soccer-specific outlet I've been introduced to in my career as well as in the city. So... Tremendous work for you guys, and it's been awesome just following you guys as well and the support that you guys have been doing. So talk to us kind of what's it been like over the years following the African-American community and soccer. You mean both simultaneously <laughs> or just one and you, the other? One and the other. You can talk to us. Well, I mean, covering Black Charlotte is uh, it's a handful yeah. uh, because there's so many great stories in this city. Um, and so what we try to do is get ourselves immersed in the community, understand Charlotte's culture, as well as what makes black Charlotte run. And, right. you know, believe it or not, we're not a singular type of thing. There is no such thing purely as black Charlotte. There is, you know, we're as diverse as any other group of people. Right. And, you know, we're into different things, and we have different likes, we have different tastes, we have different concerns. Uh, so whether you are college educated or a high school dropout, you know, uh, gay, straight, you know, into faith, totally agnostic or whatever, right. you know, we come in different flavors. Right. And we try to encourage folks to understand that, yeah, we are as different as the fingers on a hand, right. and we all have a role to play. And it's our job to tell those stories. And to me, as a journalist, that is, 
you know, that's the main thing you, you should wake up in the morning thinking about. How can I tell this particular story that I'm working on today? Right. And uh, you know, it's, you know, it's been really good work. I've been there you know, since 1987. Wow. And so it's, you know, it's been amazing to watch the city grow. Mm-hmm. and the role of African-Americans in the city grow and just you know, understanding and appreciating where we've all come from to where we are right now. And that's, I can see the culture is very strong here down here in Charlotte. One of the first things I noticed when I moved down in comparison to other cities I've been li- living with, definitely from, I don't know how long ago it's been, but from however long ago it's been very strong still because of that. So mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. What yeah. about in the soccer community? Goodness, it's. I'll I'll dive I'll dive back a little bit, and people will see Charlotte soccer Twitter and think mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. And the best example will probably be in 2017 when my mom died, and the reaction from people who have followed our coverage. We started a scholarship shortly thereafter, and. It was entirely funded through a GoFundMe, and the people who poured out of the woodwork were all people who were Jack's Militia people who were involved in the Charlotte soccer scene. And seeing that, you know, the way that they chant for you guys after a game. And I was walking around the perimeter just, you know, taking pictures of guys like Enzo or whomever signing autographs, and suddenly you hear them screaming we love you Ashley we do wow. and that was right after she died and I'm like all right don't start don't start crying here do not start crying here but no because of that because of the impact that this has had you know we've been able to touch lives in soccer outside of mm-hmm. soccer and just people say oh it's just it's just soccer. it's just a game like it's so so much more than that it is it is I mean I had Enzo here on my show last last episode and he's coming from Uruguay leaving mm-hmm. his family, yeah. coming over across, and people look at the Martinez bros and think they're aggressive people, but they're just very passionate the coming from a... people right, you'll exactly, ever meet. <laughs> exactly. Coming from a third world country, sometimes you just don't understand the passionate and the hunger mm-hmm. that one might have just to achieve some kind of success. So, I mean, it just speaks to their hard work on the field and what's got them here, but people kind of misinterpret that mm-hmm. because of how uh, driven they are. Yeah, they're good dudes, just don't get caught with the ball. Don't. don't, (laughs) The best thing to see was having someone challenge either one of them, and immediately, it didn't matter if they were on the pitch or not, immediately the other brother was right behind them, like, you you mess with him, you're messing with me. Yeah, something I've always known throughout my career, but to see that last year firsthand, even in practices, too. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that, you know, their parents have a restaurant off of Mm. Old Pineville, Mm -hmm. and, you know, people are like, Existed and suddenly it's all right. We're just gonna have a giant family dinner. Everyone's gonna pour in. Like, what? What's the best thing on the menu? What right. do we order? We want to see, you know, your jerseys hanging on the wall and right. see all that come to life. What were some of the challenges for you guys doing both of these media outlets? What's it been like over the years for you? Well, we face the same challenges that any other outlet faces these days. Uh, when you're talking about uh, the squeeze on the business models, keeping the lights on and the doors open is mm-hmm. always the tricky part and especially now with the internet being what it is you have to find new ways of bringing that cash in some folks are trying different types of models uh, as is the post and so we depend on 
readers uh, to keep us in a position where we can continue to serve them. And so uh, we have a uh, combination model where people can subscribe, they can donate, or uh, as well as advertise in the post. And so we're always uh, trying new things to encourage more people to uh, to do those types of things. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you know, it's it's challenging, but it's also fun because we've been put in a position, just like anybody else uh, who's in media these days, to find new ways to expand and to keep that, uh, keep that money flowing one way or another. Hook or crook, I guess, uh, is, is the watchword uh, for today. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting experience because you've seen a totally different era in terms of journalism, you know, before the dawn of a predominantly digital era and that evolution. My only right, experience right, has been, right. you know, digital heavy, the Same. influence of social media. And, you know, if you talk about 80, in the 80s, video, plus <laughs> everything else. Well, no, that's only for TV. <laughs> so when exactly. I hear folks now say, well, yeah, I have to go back and look at the tape. And I'm like, no, bro, there's no tape anymore. <laughs> it's all video. It's yep. digitized. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a totally different thing now. And back in the day, like maybe a decade or so ago, uh, uh, good old-fashioned print advertising was mm -hmm. king of the hill. And it still is, but it won't be long until that throne has to be abdicated right. because of the onset, or some would argue the onslaught, of digital advertising. And it's not necessarily keeping pace with, with the old-school um, advertising model, which was very profitable, but uh, obviously with the disruption that goes on now because of the digital revolution, it, you know, you've got to find a different way to do it. And a reader-supported model is a, is a good avenue to take. And that's something that I've discussed with people about how, oh, content, content should be free. It's like, this isn't free. All right, all right. This, this is not free. If you Time want this, money. you have to pay yep, for this. Yep, yep. And there's that balance of, you know, we were talking about this on the drive over of people who want, you know, there, there are so many stories to tell and you want those stories out there. But if you can't pay your bills, then how do people expect you to continue to mm -hmm. tell these stories? It's like, look, I've got to go out and get a nine to five. Mm -hmm. I can't continue to do this. Exactly. I'm like, oh, I, I missed that. Well, if you miss it, then support it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny how folks want you to give it up mm -hmm. for nothing right, but they're right. not willing to give nope. theirs never that so never that it's like okay well put yourselves in your own shoes right would you give that away exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. what about for qc chronicle what have been some of the challenges since you okay it's it's funny the other night actually and i will give credit to this individual because that actually sparked the idea for a series that we'll be launching shortly and by shortly i mean today you'll have to look for that you have to go over under to, the hat you'll have to go over to the charlottepost.com the qcfc section to find out what it is but you know they asked, they tagged me in something you know when the independence was playing Stumptown and owen barber happened to be an academy kid who was out there and they <laughs> did not bother to look and see that at the end of the video clip that we had posted you will see copyright the charlotte post 
video Ashley Mahoney. And they tagged me and said, oh, I thought you, you cover soccer. I thought you'd want to know about kids in the pros. And immediately someone jumped on them and said, excuse me, my good sir. Do you know who put that video together? Right. I'm like, oh, my God, where's the embarrassed emoji? I'm so sorry. But, right. no, often a lot of times, you know, this week is CIAA tournament week. Yep. And we've we've had photographers who will be like, yeah, people will ask me, where's your journalist? And like, that's her. Like, where? That's her. The little white girl down there. Yeah, the little white girl writing for the black paper. That's her. <laughs> of course, right? And to that end, it's like, okay, sure, fine. The boss knows that I can get the job done, so mm -hmm. no problems there. But at the same time, when you talk about a woman at a black paper who started something <laughs> along with that paper that is soccer-specific, right. you're tackling quite a few things in oh, yeah. terms of yeah. – a woman in sports, a woman at this type of legacy media in sports. I think people are, I don't know, you may have some different stories than I do. Some similar ones and maybe a bit more. <laughs> a bit more um, animated in, in terms of their, why are you doing that? Why does she work there? Right. Things like that. So, no, I'm, I constantly call the boss Yoda. I'm like, this is. Yoda, I'm the Padawan. He's taught me everything I know, and it's going pretty well. You haven't fired me yet, so it's got to be going somewhat uh, well. No, <laughs> I, I haven't, and I don't see any reason to do that today. But yes. tomorrow's another time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, QC Football Chronicle has crossed lines that people didn't necessarily believe existed, uh, where you're talking about uh, race culture, mm -hmm. sports, you know, the, the politics of it all. Mm -hmm. uh, when you talk about uh, media like The Post that's been around forever and has been in service to African Americans, you know, some people were frankly put off right. by the idea of covering a sport like soccer uh, on a, on a regular basis. Exactly. Like, exactly. Because you know, I would hear from folks, black folks don't play soccer. Exactly. <laughs> And I'm like, I okay, know. well, for starters, it's a global game. And last time I checked, Africa and the Caribbean were Come part on. of the world. Hey, hey, hey. So, <laughs> uh, it, as well as the United States. And the greatest player of all time happened to be a black dude. All right. But some of this is flat out ignorance. And some of it may be something else where, again, the politics come into play where it's like, now nah, we don't do that, bro. But you know, 20 years ago, black folks didn't play golf either. At yeah. least that's what they would believe you to think. Very you know, true. until Tiger Woods just showed up and you know started wiping folks out. But again, you know, you run into that mindset that limits or would limit us right. if it were up to them. But that's purely out of ignorance. And to me, right. as a journalist, your job again is to help break that ignorance. Yep. to help people understand, nah, this has been going on long before you, home yeah. stuff. So, you know, that's, that's some of what we've had to, uh, to work on. It's not going to be a, uh, a get it done right now kind of thing. We're working on it. Uh, but uh, some of it is, uh, you know, you have to just 
help folks understand and help them to understand, well, it's not going anywhere because Charlotte is the market now where soccer is, is a bigger deal now than it ever has right. been. And you just have to understand that. It's given us an opportunity to break stories as well, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, something like Arsenal coming here and, you know, the website traffic is pouring in and feel like, whoa, oh, okay, well, no one has any idea about, you know, the team they ended up playing. Like, what, Fiorentina? What's, right, right. what's like, that? Like Who's that? actually cared about them. <laughs> no, <laughs> but then it also gives us an opportunity to touch on things like the women's national team. We broke that story as well. And people were paying a lot of attention to that because of, oh, well, pay equality and things like that. But it doesn't hurt that they happen to win the 2019 tournament. It doesn't happen to hurt that when you look at the current cycle of players who were called up to the women's national team, five of them happen to play right up the road mm-hmm. in Cary, who mm-hmm. played for the Courage, who mm-hmm. happened to be a fairly dominant team for you know shifting down from New York when they did. But then you've got Crystal Dunn celebrated her 100th cap and we did a I mean not gonna lie it's still my favorite story ever <laughs> that I've ever written it was a very lengthy piece and I'll always ask him after something of well how, you know just give, give me all the feedback I'm like a puppy just like well how'd it go how'd it go how'd it go <laughs> and just looking at that story and talking with Paul Riley about her club career and talking with Jill Ellis about you know her evolution and when she coached her when she was younger and the fact that you know, she and Paul Riley were basically neighbors when she was growing up, and that it was actually his wife who discovered her, and his wife was the one who coached her, and all these nitty-gritty things. And then to know that she celebrated her 100th cap against Mexico not, oh, earlier this month, just, you know, the little stories like that, you know, to see what she's done, what Jess McDonald overcame, what Lynn Williams has done. You know, you wrote a feature about Lynn mm-hmm. when they played Tennessee yeah. at Queens I, I back in I actually contribute every now and again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The, the maestro does it all. Whatever you think I do, he does 75,000 times more. So, and does it without coffee. I still don't know how you do that. It blows my mind. <laughs> but no, I agree, though, completely with what you're kind of saying with the ignorance here, not just here in the city, but just in soccer in general in this, in this uh, country. I mean, when I moved here and I've met some other black folks down here and I tell them I play soccer, you see their eyes go wide immediately like, oh, we have a black guy playing soccer? Like, I didn't know black people play soccer. Kind of just going off what you're saying, and it's always just, I just give them a little smile, and it's funny, like, exactly why I'm doing this, trying to shine a light and show people and show our people that we can touch anything and dominate pretty much anything that we touch. So I definitely think it's a case of just not getting out of your bubble and learning about a different sport because, all right, we're not the most dominant sport or athletes in sport here in this country. Soccer isn't in comparison to NFL and NBA and all these other sports. So... Mm-hmm. Everyone turns an eye to it, but it's growing, like you said, in this city and in this country. We're on the verge of, you know, bringing a bunch of teenagers from Europe here with the national team. We're going to host a World Cup soon. Like, this country's due for a time soon. So that's just a case of just getting out of your bubble, educating yourself on the game of soccer, <clears throat> seeing that other minorities play this as well. And we can, we're here doing this thing on a daily basis. We can dominate in this sport as well. So. I definitely agree with a bunch of what you're saying. Yeah, just because you haven't done it doesn't mean exactly, other folks exactly. Aren't. And it's our job to turn you on to it. You exactly. Know, we're not going to force it to you know on you, but it's pretty much a, me- a message of, well, here it is, and believe it or not, we're doing this. We're capable, right? And you know, that, help yourself with some of that. Right. So, Sorry, to that end, a lot of people, even you know, people near and dear to us, have said, "All right, so you've got someone like we'll use Kevon George, for instance. 
played in the Gold Cup with Trinidad and Tobago right down the street at Bank of America Stadium in 2015 and then was signed by the Independents not too long after that. But people say, of course, you know, you expect that. You expect it because of where he's from. You don't expect that from people who live in the States. They're going to play, you know, basketball or football or whatever the case may be. Is that something that you've experienced as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, as soon as people see me, they instantly think I play basketball. So Mm -hmm. I'm always getting, I mean, I did play basketball my life as well. But that's the first thing from the jump. And then, I mean, just going off what what you're saying, People expect, you know, Caribbeans and other foreigners mm-hmm. to maybe, you know, play a sport. Or when they see me, they think instantly I'm African. Or Yes, I am Jamaican, but I'm always getting an African reference. I'm always mm-hmm. get, getting, like, I'm not just a black American. I got to be from another foreign country because I'm playing this sport. But I grew up in the system from Maryland, grew up with all my other African Americans playing the sport as well. All my boys still are dominating the sport since I've been in the youth. And, I mean, there was a hashtag going on, along on Twitter like a month or two ago, and it's like, uh, soccer has always been black, and, and I'll put up a couple of pictures of that as well when I was a little boy. But my dad played at NC State. He played with a bunch of guys. Uh, he went to the Final Four, so he played against UCLA, Brad Friedel, and a bunch of guys. And, I mean, Kobe Jones and them. And We've been playing this sport for a while, and just that's why I kind of do this still. You know, we're still in taking the backseat to other races, per se. But just to shine a light and continuously show that we're able to do this, we're capable of doing this on and off the field and continuously grow this thing. So I definitely see this backlash, but... I want to change an eye to it. Something that we've experienced, we have another podcast called The Creatives, and we had our 2019 Mary Mahoney Memorial Scholarship recipient on there. And for him, as well as one of his classmates at UNCC, he mentioned that, you know, grew up playing football towards ACL in high school, and that for a while just wrecked his world. He thought, like, you know, the only way to achieve success is you've got to end up playing football, you've got to end up playing basketball, you've got to go to the NBA, you've got to go to the NFL, and that's it. Those are That's it with your options. And now you know, he's an artist, he's an actor, he's been heavily involved here with local theater, wow. as well as the fellow classmate who, you know, like, that's, that's it. That's all that is preached to you is if you want to be successful, you've got to become a professional athlete. That's it. Right. That's all that's there. Or maybe a rapper. Or maybe. But was that something, you know, I, as a white woman, I can't speak to this, but for the two of you, is that something that is heavily poured in of that's it, that's your path? Yeah. Uh, I didn't grow up with that, and I didn't encourage it in with my own children. And I figured, you know, Black folks need more athletes like you need a hole in the head. You know, we need more doctors and lawyers yeah, and yeah. professional folks. You know, nothing wrong with sports because it's something that brings people together. And it is a path to excellence. But you know, just like with anything else, some people are just bound and determined to want to do it. You know, but it, the same can be said for for the professional class or an entrepreneur, for that matter, you know. Somehow I was just called to do it. You know, like me, my calling has always been journalism, you know, even from, from a child. And I was hoping that maybe I could do that after I got, you know, if I was good enough to make that leap to professional sports because every boy has those dreams, basically. You know, but that wasn't to me. But I was cool with that because I, I had something else that I, I was really good at. So, you know, we all can't be professional athletes. It's a blessing if you get to that point. But uh, 
You, know, you have to find that thing that makes it worthwhile to get out of bed in the morning because you shouldn't get out of bed in the morning to be mediocre at anything. We have that framed, <laughs> possibly, maybe. Why not? Put on a t-shirt. Who's, who's going to get the frame? Uh, Bob. We'll oh, Bob when okay. we get back to the office. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and from an athlete's perspective, I mean, it's kind of hard not to. You grow up from a little boy playing the sport every single day. You have mm -hmm. games. As a little boy, you're playing two, three games Saturday, Sunday, every single mm -hmm. day. So for me, I grew up playing basketball and soccer since I was like seven, eight years old. And I did that every summer, every day. And so you're thinking like, all right, everyone, all my friends were like, we're going to be professional athletes one day. That's the reason why we're doing this. You know, you're talking about waking up in the morning. Well, you're waking up in the morning thinking of soccer. You're thinking of basketball. So in your mind, and you're seeing this on TV every time. So in your mindset, it's like, I want to be just like these guys. For my basketball peers, most of, most of African Americans play basketball or football. And so we see that as our, one of our lead outlets because we don't necessarily think, I'm not saying we don't think that we can do well in our books, but we're like, all right, we're going to go to college just to reach the professional realm, not necessarily go to college for the education, think of life after. Nah, like, we've been doing this since we we're little boys for a reason. We're going to get this and achieve this greatness. And then as you get older, life starts to hit you. You start to realize I was the best in high school, but I'm not the best in college anymore. So that kind of changed your mindset too. But it's hard not to just from that standpoint. And I mean, I want to say soccer and basketball are kind of two different sports in the outlets where soccer is more of like a mental sport and people say it's one of the smartest sports in the game or it's kind of like chess and we see different like that's how i kind of got started in what i'm doing now with this podcast i was playing soccer all the time and i'm just like i'm tired of just being a one-dimensional athlete just doing you know soccer every single day for a couple of hours and just going back to my place and not really doing much i want to broaden my horizon reach out to different demographics and just show people all right i can do more than just what i'm doing on this field but i'm not sure you know, podcast is definitely a big trend now in basketball. You see basketball athletes doing that as well. But I don't think if I was doing basketball per se that I would have even thought of doing something outside of that realm. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's more money into it too. So, you, you know, people don't necessarily see an outlet of, oh, I have to do something else because I have millions of dollars in my bank account. But I know from a bunch of my peers and our mindsets from when we were in middle school or high school, it's like it's basketball or nothing. And even if in college, it's like, all right, I'm just going to go overseas and play ball just because, like, I love this game so much. So... It's kind of hard not to, but as you get older and life starts to hit you and you start to realize you might not be the best in such, maybe in high school, college, or even a professional realm. So some athletes still retire now, even after a year or two of becoming a pro, because it's a doggy dog world. And when money's involved now in the business realm, when you see guys getting cut, not necessarily because they're not talented enough, or it's because they don't fit the business company and their assets for their company. And so, yeah, you get to, you just start to think of, all right, let me find other ideas and different ways to kind of make a difference in this. So, yeah, it's, great it's important to have the passion, you know, and if you have a passion, no matter what it is, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's in your best interest to pursue it because you mm -hmm. never can tell. I mean, and mm -hmm. if you're driven hard enough, you know, chances are you will find a way through. Mm -hmm. And it may not be necessarily what you see it as today, but at some point, you know that light will come on so it's always important to follow your passion and if it's if it's a sport you know follow it to the end mm -hmm. you know but also be aware that sooner or later every athlete gets retired exactly. one way or another exactly. <laughs> so how do you guys kind of stay regularly updated you can start with qc chronicle i know i see you at practice i see you at games and stuff <laughs> you but... guys are stuck with me yes. <laughs> yes not just with that but just in the soccer realm in general how are you oh, staying gosh. how do you regularly stay updated it kind of comes like breathing almost. There's 
there's just this innate side of you develop those relationships, mm -hmm. which is something that you definitely taught me. You make sure people, you know, you, your manners will get you through doors that yeah. other things never could. Yeah. And you, you know, the reasons that we were able to break a lot of these stories is people trust you. They're like, hey, we know you're going to take care of this. So right. it's in part you have to do your own research, whether that's going out to practices, games, yep. calling people up, or if you're lucky enough, they bring it to you, which kind of takes care of some of the legwork. Not all of it, but some of it. But, yeah, to that end, it's it's just a matter of developing those relationships and staying up on top of as much as you possibly can. And we, we've joked about this with MLS coming here forever, and I'd say if it gets here, I will never sleep. I'm convinced you don't sleep. But <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'm just upside down every night and just looking for the next thing to do. In the bat cave, <laughs> just a good, quick two-hour nap, and then boom. Yeah. But no. What's up? What's kind of lacking in the soccer community in the city? I would say there are a lot of fickle fans. You have a lot of people who. Well, that's for every sport, though. True, <laughs> true, very true. But you have people who. No, I, don't get me wrong. The owners of the independents, the McFilmies, they are fabulous people. They are some of the kindest people I've ever met. And again, you know, I'll put a testament to the whole mom dying experience mm -hmm. and just the way that not just the Charlotte soccer scene in general, but the way that that club reached out and said, you're going through hell and whatever you need, like we, we've got you. They showed up with a a card that was signed and a little Amelie's gift card after that and I was like oh wow and I know this is something that with you get into a sport or cover a sport like this and you touched on it with the Panthers and when your girls were born mm -hmm. and just there's an element of it is very businesslike but at the same time there's still that human element but to answer your question about what does this soccer scene need personally think it needs more awareness for the women's game mm -hmm. because I know there are so many of my teammates in college it was I love to play mm -hmm. but I don't care about the game yep. there's no future for me here maybe right. I get to play in Europe for a year you know NWSL wasn't really a thing when I was in school and we'd seen leagues fold we knew about the 99ers but that was a handful right. of women it's okay you go you play in college maybe you coach but there's no future for you no one actually cares about your game. Your game's slow. No, right. no one cares about this. This is ugh, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you see what the women's national team has accomplished. You see what the courage have accomplished and what all of these other teams. It's starting to make people, it's making my niece's generation sit up and believe, like, we can do this. We, we can actually have a career in this. Mm -hmm. So to that end, it's great that Charlotte has all of the options that it does. It has a phenomenal D1 program in the 49ers in University City. It's got a great program in Queens at the D2 level. And then of course, what's happening at the youth level here is also great. That You've got third division with Stumptown Athletic. You have the independents at second division. Now, next season, there'll be MLS. That's great. But it's men, yeah. men, men. Don't get me wrong. I love the game. You tell me that there's a pickup game going on in Ramir Bearden Park right now. I'll sprint over there in heels. But where do the women fit into all of this? So it's one thing for someone like me to say, yeah, 
we're going to drive that train until, you know, we either run into a wall or run out of coffee. Right. I think we'd probably hit the wall first. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, I completely agree with that, too. I mean, I think women's soccer might be the mm -hmm. biggest sport for women here in this country in mm -hmm. general. I feel like every girl that I've known either played soccer mm -hmm. at some point in the youth or even just in general you see as a big wave of soccer girls just in general playing soccer. And, I mean, for me, too, per se, you're the first female I've ever had on my show, and I've been wanting female athletes as well on my show as well. And just to not only shine a light on their perspective, but just to show women are actually doing what we're doing as well, talk about their lifestyles and things. So I've been in search for myself as well, mm -hmm. trying to get a female's perspective. So thank you for being the first female. Absolutely. But, yeah, I completely agree. I think there needs to be more light shown on that as well. And, I mean, it was good that they had the national team here last summer. I don't, are they doing that again this summer? I don't believe that, I mean, as of right now, not that I'm aware of. But, yeah. I mean, of course, there's there's still the limited side of things when it comes to the women's national team because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, women's national team. I believe red, white, and blue. It's so great. American Outlaws, yay. And then when it comes to, well, can you name someone other than Alex Morgan? Exactly. Right. Do you know someone other than because you like how they look? Do you right. know? Maybe. Like, well, but you got to start somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's but that's really, like women who I mean, say that. Really, I mean, that's okay, just like golf. I mean, how many people knew of any kind of professional golfer right. who wasn't Arnold Palmer right. or Jack Nicholas before the 90s rolled mm -hmm. around and Tiger Woods? And it's like, oh, well, because that person, Tiger Woods, he crossed all kinds of boundaries. It was no longer just a golf thing with him. Right. It was a cultural thing. It was an athletic thing right. because, you know, like you still have the argument of, well, is golf actually a sport? <laughs> you know, so, you know, you, you have to start somewhere. And if you want that general acceptance by people who are not necessarily in the clique of knowledgeable soccer folks, then, yeah, and Alex Morgan is your foray into right. that greater understanding. Mm -hmm. And so to me, you know, and, you know, but if if I can throw in a little two cents over here as far as like uh, what Charlotte needs in terms of soccer, I would say Charlotte needs what America needs, and it needs a greater appreciation for the American game. Mm -hmm. And I think Major League Soccer, USL, and whoever else, you know, a lot of times, you know. Americans look down on it because they've been snobbified by the European game. I agree. And, you know, like to me, you know, I watch the European players and things like that, and I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. But right. I'm more of a domestic guy. I like my soccer like I like my beer. I, agree. <laughs> I want an American made. Now, that's my Al Bundy moment. For and that's the something day. I was just talking to Enzo about that last episode, too. Enzo said last show that kids here in America just don't watch soccer in general. Yeah. And going off that, you're rather watching a European game on a weekend than your own domestic team in your own city, in your own country. So I think it needs to be more light shown on the MLS here in this country, shown on TV, the media in general. So we live the same. All right, we don't have millions of dollars like in basketball and NFL, but you can live lavishly off 300K in this country. And this I know country. I could. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's oh, yeah. plenty of guys here in We're our league that. that are very comfortable <laughs> in doing the same lifestyles per se it might not be just the same amount but they're living lavishly in their lifestyles mm -hmm. because they're professional athletes so to shine that light i was just talking to i think 
Aaron Mound last night about that as well. It just needs to be some more light shown on this so people get a greater respect for that. I mean, because I understand. I'm sorry. No, but, you know, and I understand that the European game is supposed to be the best on the planet. I, I get that. I, I totally understand it. But there is, what is the old saying? Different strokes for different folks. Mm-hmm. And sure the american national team isn't very good on the men's side these days but that's almost beside the point as far as i'm concerned it's like okay well it's still professional soccer it's an american game it it moves to its own vibe right and so it should be appreciated for what it is do you want it to be the best in the world okay but that's going to take time right <laughs> because right. America is way, way behind on that curve. But in the meantime, you have a pretty entertaining sport that's played on this side of the pond. And I I think that for me, if folks in Charlotte would really embrace the MLS squad, Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to the Europeans, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not a a binary decision, one or the other, Mm -hmm. but for some of us, Get it into is. A, well, well and, and see, and that's and that's the well, point. Well, there's also the, our hard and fast rule of if you cover it, you are therefore not a fan of it, or if you are, you better bury that deep down and keep it hidden. Well, yeah, because business is business. Exactly. You, no one's going into a Panthers press box and cheering, and if they are, they should get out. Well, but, I've seen that happen, though. Oh God, it's just it's awful. But when you look at that side of things in terms of just like you said. The media coverage as a player of course you're stuck with us but what do you want to see in terms of coverage do you want more of those in-depth player features do you want more analysis of games and tactics and things that only the diehards or the students of the game are going to understand or do you want to know hey what does this guy like what's his life look like off the pitch or does it have to be more again two people we can only cover so much working on that but <laughs> what what do players want to see? Because at the end of the day, as much as we're here for readers who aren't out there for 90 plus minutes, mm-hmm. we're also here for you. I have to say all the above, to be honest. Like we want more coffee. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from your standpoint, it's tough. You guys mm-hmm. also don't do visuals like that. Mm-hmm. But from our standpoint, like people to come at practice just to see, mm-hmm. give people an inside view of what we're doing on our daily jobs. Mm-hmm game footage behind the scenes like not necessarily in the locker room but you can record or just talk about what's going on on the field we don't necessarily get any kind of video footage like that at least sent to us mm-hmm. um and i mean just the lifestyle off the field that's why i kind of do this kind of shine a light into that so i got cameras just to do some visual aspects but like like i said we kind of live the same similar lifestyle to other professional realms so why can't our lifestyle be shining into that light as well and i mean yeah, just that is some of the biggest things, visuals, the highlights, are game clips as well, game footage. You see all Bleacher Report, all these accounts have basketball, NFL, dope highlights, which mm-hmm. is cool. But it's not, not even just USL, just the MLS. Let's start with the mm-hmm. MLS. There's nothing of preseason footage was going on with the preseason. You can just simply do, oh, here's a live look at D.C. United's camp right now, whole soccer world together. We're looking at different camps now. We're seeing how so-and-so trains and prepares before a game, after a game, how they're preparing in the preseason. Like, I know all the diehards will want to see that, but there's just no coverage on that. And I know it talks about money now, more video coverage, and all these things, and more money has to be dumped into it. But for starters, like, that's a great way for people to stay connected and have that relationship based with their fans and you know, just the community in general. So I think that would be a great start for us, and that's kind of why I'm doing this. But I think, yeah. 
definitely needs to be shone upon. You're not asking yeah. for much. <laughs> <laughs> Just th- thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> so for the Charlotte Post, though, how do you guys stay regularly updated? Oh, well, how do you stay updated in the community? Uh, well, we because we've been around for so long and we've got those roots. Um, we have a very good relationship with folks who've been here for a while Mm -hmm. and it's not enough Mm -hmm. because you've got people who are coming here daily from someplace else and they don't know Charlotte's history they don't know Charlotte's movers and shakers and some of them are still trying to figure out how to get from home to work or which Sharon (laughs) they happen to be driving on Sharon Sharon Road (laughs) and how streets miraculously change names within a mile radius. Right. So uh, uh, I liken it to, uh, to the canine kingdom. I mean, you can be a watchdog, you know, which has generally been the province of daily newspapers. You, know, you can be a service dog, which is kind of like what the Post is because we're here to help people navigate their day-to-day lives mm-hmm. in terms of of the what, the who, the why, and things like that. But the third one we will never be, and that's a lap dog. So <laughs> our thing is to uh, to be of service to readers, mm-hmm. help them navigate, help them to understand history and culture and just the people who live here. Um, and to do that, you have to get past those folks who've been readers for 20 or 30 years or grew up with the paper mm-hmm. and also embrace folks who are new to Charlotte and may not necessarily know about us. Right. And right. Uh, that is, uh, that's, the, that's the trick these days, right. get to know them as well as that core group. And right. so we've done a fairly decent job of it. Because I feel like your outlet and your post is very important for the community. I mean, when I go on the site and I see all the topics you're discussing, I'm like, all right, that's very prevalent and relevant, but just how did you even come up with Like, I wouldn't know from a regular outsider's perspective that's even important to talk about. So. I just feel like every topic that you're discussing is very vital and important to the community because we need to know the issues that's going on, how they're going to be solved. And so that's kind of why I ask, how do you, how are you staying updated? Because I see that what you're doing and I think it's very vital and important. I'm just like, how are you, how did you even know that? How did, I don't know. I just, well, I did just move here and stuff too. I'm not really from the area, but like, yeah, well, I appreciate that because you know, when it, what it really comes down to is you ask yourself why, right? Maybe even just as important as why not. When you talk about some of the issues that Charlotte faces that are beyond sports, because sports, let's face it, it's there for us to have a good time with. Just entertainment. Yeah, but we've got real world issues going on that affect uh, your children's education or where your tax dollars are going Mm -hmm. or even life and death things. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's a matter of asking that question you know if you see something and you get to thinking hmm, what's going on with that and then you start just basically knocking on doors sending emails or using that old school telephone to reach out to folks because it's it's all about human capital and can you make those connections with humans mm-hmm. in order to make your journalism worthwhile makes complete sense so see you guys have been doing good amount of meetings with some guys in the MLS staff and being at, attending MLS meetings as well. They're really harassing everyone. It's what we do. It's what I do. <laughs> so how, what's that teacher. been like? How's it, what's the buzz around the city and the conferences and the meetings and stuff like that? What have they been talking about? It's, 
it's interesting discussing, we'll use Dustin Swinehart, for instance. You know, we went over to MLS HQ and met with him. And for people who are ingrained in Charlotte soccer, you know, that name means something. And for everything he accomplished with the Eagles, to see that transfer into the community role that he's taking on with Charlotte MLS, I mean, talk about walking history uh-huh. and smile sans coffee. God, I don't know how you people do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting to see that side of things versus someone like Mark Nichols, who is embracing a totally different role and mm-hmm. knowing, you know, hey, he was out there when you guys were playing yeah. Stumpton and it's yeah. okay, there has to be an academy arm for MLS. But next year, there does not have to be the relationship between MLS and USL. So mm-hmm. what do they want to pursue? Mm-hmm. What's in their best interest to pursue? They're running on a tight clock of you know, 10 months and counting mm-hmm. until their first season's right around the corner. So how much do you take on? Is it a matter of, all right, let's just get the team up and running, we'll have a reserve side. But other things might not necessarily be in their best interest. So things like that. And then there's, of course, you know, Jorge (laughs) joining them. So I'm sure everyone who listens to the show knows who Jorge is, knows his ties with the Eagles. And Does he have a role already? he, He does. He has a community role. We broke that story the day that... The independence announced his retirement and to that end a lot of people again it comes down to those relationships of who's willing to trust you with that information versus someone saying oh yeah he's just retiring that's all game over thanks so much for everything but no he'll he'll join dustin and that capacity so technically he is their fifth hire they're supposed to announce that officially today but who knows it's raining charlotte might get a wash well they could (laughs) No, that's great for him. I'm very happy for him. What's uh, Tepper been saying? Kind of Has he been in those meetings as well? So when they did their spiel with Classroom Central and donated $120,000 to that, yay, new school supplies, because goodness knows it's flu season, lots of mm-hmm. tissues are needed, plus pencils and paper and everything else. Yeah. But, you know, turning to him and him saying, you know, had a two-hour meeting about soccer today. Two hours? <laughs> that that uh, tweet apparently people found quite that. humorous. Right. Yeah. So it's there are talks about them not even playing at Bank of America Stadium, which would be interesting, and that becomes a question of right, where do you put it? The only place big enough is Jerry Richardson Stadium at UNCC, which means you're playing on turf, which means you're playing with about sixteen thousand capacity. When you've got t- over twenty two thousand ticket deposits already there, do you really want to do that? And how many exactly. people are going to piss off by doing that? Exactly. So. They are currently in the process of just as quickly as humanly possible trying to get stadium renovations going on. So that's not only, yes, they're doing bunker suites, but they're also hosting the Mexican national team next yeah. month. Yeah. In a little, I was going to ask about that too. A month and two days. I think mm-hmm. it's the 24th, yeah, right? Yeah, 26th. Yeah. Yep. So well, what were some of the reasons why they wanted to host a Mexican national team? So something that Don Garber pointed out when they made the announcement you know, and asking him, hey, are you, are you worried about that at all in terms of attendance? And he said he was a lot less worried about it than he was two years ago. But he referred to it as quietly testing the market for the last decade. Last decade? That's, that's before ICC even existed. But, you know, seeing the traction that it's gotten, the economic impact that it's produced for the city. You know, when you talk about the attendance has gone down for ICC, but the economic impact continues to go up. Mm. So 
Someone's Maybe that's a lot of folks who are staying, who live in Charlotte are partaking, mm-hmm. but not necessarily going mm-hmm. to the matches. Hey, as long as they don't bring my boys here, I'm great. Don't bring them here. <laughs> I do not want to cover that team. <laughs> let me let me have my one sanctuary. That's all I ask. And to, to that other end, you know, when you're talking about the ICC and attendance, they're not necessarily bringing the sexiest teams here either. Oh, please say that a little louder for all the Arsenal fans. So, you know, if you, if you really want to see what Charlotte will do, then, you know, you may want – well, bring some of the uh, – and I guess around here, this is more of a Premier League town, if you can say that. Yeah. You know, so it may be a Chelsea or a Manchester United that – if they are picked to come to Charlotte, then I think you would see better attendance. Uh, I'm not so sure if, if Bundesliga squads really moved the needle or La Liga, you know. But then again, you know, who's to say? I mean, right. and I think uh, you would also get better attendance if you're talking about uh, hyping stars as opposed to teams. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if Messi shows up, yeah, I think you would probably get a fairly decent turnout. Oh, uh, if you that. put Real Madrid and Manchester United and Bank of America Stadium, that thing's going to be packed. Uh, yeah. That will be standing room only. Yeah. And it, yeah. They would be in the wall-to-wall, treetop tall oh, yeah. kinds of attendance. There, and so. there are certain clubs that, I mean, I love them dearly. And I'm so happy we beat Watford yesterday and kept a clean sheet. But dear God, it is painful to be a United supporter right now. It is absolute <laughs> trash. To go from the Fergie era to David Moyes and crazy. everything since then. But still, there are certain clubs that have you know, the prestige oh, and the name. And yeah. you put them in the stadium and that thing's going to be yeah, packed. It doesn't regardless. matter how bad their season is. Yeah, so Manchester United is sort of like the Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys or the Lakers, they're going to draw a crowd <laughs> wherever they go. Okay, yeah. Just, just so do you bit. think because of the cultural diversity here in the city is the reason why we got an MLS team, why soccer? David Tepper's got more money than God. Of That's course, why we've got an course. MLS team here. Of course, but <laughs> even when I moved down here, the Spanish community is very strong. It's much bigger than I even imagined when I moved down mm-hmm. here too. Do you feel like because the city is very diverse and has a, different, a lot of different cultures here in the city, it's kind of the reason why the city... Not the MLS team is why it's going to grow. Well, I would say number one is David Tepper's money. He <laughs> wanted a franchise, and by gumption, he got it. And uh, the MLS folks are, you know, they're not going to fool anybody other than, you know, if you say, well, you know what? They're bringing in ownership groups that have lots of bucks. Right. I mean, so it's like really rich people that they're going after as owners. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Uh, Charlotte has the demographics that you're looking for now. Charlotte is starting to skew younger, and it has that that ethnic mix that can lend itself to some things. Now, to me, the the question is, can the MLS franchise leverage a relationship right. with the Hispanic and Latinx community to bring them out? So, you know, like, does that require uh, doing Spanish language um, uh, advertising and game broadcasts, or you know, just going into communities and, and speaking literally speaking their language right. in terms of come on out and see the product? I agree with that. To that end, 
When the Independents played Census Laguna, Sportsplex was packed. Mm. But when you go to a match on a regular basis, not so much. All right. Why do you think that is? Is it a matter of marketing, front office, or I hate to put you on the spot, but, well, we still are asking some of the questions. (laughs) And it's, it is that element of okay being out in Matthews. And I know people have said for years, wait until the team gets into Memorial. It'll be completely packed, completely packed. But why, why do people show up for one? Particularly if you're following the train of thought that, you know, this is the community that you want to cater to. Why show up for one and not the other? That's a great question. I mean, I want to think more it's because of a foreign base. It's not necessarily because the domestic team, like we were talking about earlier, the domestic love here isn't that strong. But when you bring in a foreign team, per se, it can be from any country, but the foreign aspect must be much better than America at soccer. These guys actually know football. It's like, let's see a great entertaining game because, again, they're still sleeping on American soccer. They don't really think domestically is that big in comparison to the rest of the world. And so I feel like that aspect, um, I mean, I'm sure there's more that goes into it, but I definitely think that because the foreign aspect everyone wants to see. And again, it's not another domestic match between two, you know, maybe local teams at NCFC or something that's actually bringing international talent. So, oh, wow, mm-hmm. exciting. Like, let's, let's see this now. It's actually going to be a good match instead of an independence with NCFC, which is still a big rivalry. But I feel like people are going to come out more to a foreign-based game than a domestic one. So people need to stop sleeping on American soccer. Exactly. Okay. So, but I even think that uh, if you look further south at Atlanta and the job that they've mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. in bringing that entire community together, because mm-hmm. before United job. showed up there, nobody mistook Atlanta as a soccer right. city. Right, right. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like uh, Atlanta. Let's see, that's the Braves and maybe the Falcons if right. they're halfway decent <laughs> sometime. Right. But it has turned into Soccer City USA. Uh, because of the job that the franchise has done in bringing uh, different groups of people together under one banner. You know, folks from the suburbs show up. They've done a really good job in reaching out to the African-American community. They have their own supporters, clubs, and things like that. And they really get into it. Now, they may not necessarily be able to tell you about all the intricacies and all that, but you can't talk bad about their team or else, you know, like you some tell, fisticuffs might break you're out. You're telling me the soccer mom from, give me a suburb of Atlanta. Let's say Smyrna. Yeah, there. Like she, she can't tell me what a second six ball is? No. Dang it. No. So close. No. I mean, but that's, but that's part of their success. They, right. They've reached out to folks and, and they sell the, they sell soccer culture. They're not necessarily right. selling soccer as a sport. But it doesn't culture. hurt that their first couple of seasons, they go out, they host the All-Star Game, mm, their second true. season. Win the MLS Cup. They ha- so who do you think should be the inaugural manager for Charlotte MLS? Probably you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to, right? Just call up Mike, all right? All Jeffries, right. Jeffries, have you gotten the call? Okay, it's all happening. Right. Good, right. breaking news. <laughs> so we got a couple minutes here. I think they got to record a couple fan questions before we get to the fan questions real quick with ciaa coming up this week how are you guys been preparing for it coffee coffee so much coffee working really hard <laughs> at putting together stuff 
on the court as well as off the court because it's the mm-hmm. last go round in Charlotte. This is this year. It, yeah, it's Heads moving to Baltimore. to Baltimore starting next year. Wow, oh, yeah. definitely going out there myself. I didn't know it was the last one. <laughs> I mean, hey, you have the two local teams who are seated one and two. So. Are they? Yeah. All right, cool. I mean, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there definitely. So you have a question from Matt TW. Whose idea was it to begin a soccer-specific media outlet at the Post? Was there hesitation or resistance in the beginning? And does it seem like the obvious choice now? Uh, let's see. Who's Actually, idea? yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, but that was, those okay. are the answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley started it. It was her idea. And uh, yes to the other two. We, uh, you know, we saw it as, as, a, as an opportunity to reach new people. Mm-hmm. And we didn't necessarily care what they did other than that they like soccer mm-hmm. and are willing to follow it. Seemed to be the right call at the time. Right. Do I emotionally Still refer to now. it as my child? Yes. Of course. Yes, um, I think it's either my Twitter or Instagram bio is something about QCFC, the post-soccer-specific child. Yeah. Same thing for me with this, too, so oh, I yeah. feel you. <laughs> and Dave Dixon, assistant coach for the Independence. <laughs> David. What have been your top three moments so far? What have been your top three moments you've covered so far? Ooh. Let's see. I, well, what was it? It was Mexico and, and Trinidad and Tobago. 2015 Yeah, when the when the stadium was shaking. Really? Wow. Oh, that was a great fun. Wow. And and the Mexican fans were throwing stuff on the field and and allegedly using some sort of slur, but I think it was all good. Yeah. That was fun to me. That is what big time soccer should feel like and look like. You got two more. Go ahead. Are we doing a combined three or three each? Either or, whatever. Do you have two more? Oh, well, I've got one more, I think. Uh, Before you even got to the post, I did a story, oh, this must have been 2013 or so, something like that, on Garinger High School. And Garinger is not known as a sports powerhouse at anything these days. But back during that particular time, Garinger had one of the best soccer programs in the state, and it was like the United Nations. You had kids from Africa. You had kids from Europe. You had kids from Central and South America, and they kicked everybody around here, and folks could not believe it. You know, if you're at Myers Park or Providence, some of the traditional powers, they couldn't believe it. Miles (laughs) were agape at these kids from, you know, these third-world countries coming over and showing everybody oh, what's up right. with how soccer is <laughs> And to me, that that was a really cool moment, especially when you're talking about high school kids. Yeah. All right. Well, trying to find the post for the exact date that coincides with this, but the Charlotte Eagles winning the PDL, now USL League 2, but Dave Dixon was actually the head yep, coach for yep. that. and seeing about that, too seeing what he did with that team, and a lot of those kids have gone on to play professionally, what he was able to take with kids from NAIA, and not, you know, he's not pulling kids from Chapel Hill right. or other right. traditional powerhouse D1 programs. He could, that, that man can make the best chicken salad, to pull my dad's reference. <laughs> he can make some delicious chicken salad. But that one, as well as, the women's national team here, October 3rd. Yeah. I had a very nostalgic 
seven-year-old Ashley watching the Women's World Cup at Meadow at at the Meadowlands, yeah. the opener against Norway in 1999, and to see like, if you told seven-year-old me that I you're not going to get to play, honey, you're not going to play at that level, but you're going to get to cover it. Right. You're going to watch Jill Ellis make history. You're going to write that story. I would have told you were crazy, but those and then the night that the first Independence hat trick was scored. Mm. I can't find the specific date, but it was at the Sportsplex. Mm. And I remember it was a rain out. It was the Independence playing Toronto at Ramblewood. Mm. And there were some really bad storms when they played at Ramblewood. I don't think they've had quite as many. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were, you know, Tom Engstrom's out there with a broom yeah. sweeping the water off the field. But Enzo came on as, not Enzo, Jorge came on as a sub score two goals. I'm like, it's going to be it. This is going to be the night that finally going to score a hat trick. And then they called the game. Oh, Kept my God. kidding me. And then to finally see that hat trick happen. actually right. happen was, was kind of so. Well, thank you guys for coming on the show. It's been an awesome, awesome experience. Thank very you. informative. Very informative. Very good episode. We you don't follow we them. We haven't chased your Oh, no. Nah, definitely not. <laughs> you guys don't follow them on any social media platform. Make sure you give them a follow. QC Chronicle and the Charlotte Post, Twitter, Facebook, IG, and all that. Send them love, comment, let them know what you guys think of this episode. Backyard Footies brought to you by the BGN Network of Podcasts. That's BGN.FM on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the BGN FM.